special edition of Talk About That. I'm your host, John, here with my lovely wife, Laura. Hey, guys. <laughs> we are uh, experimenting a little bit. It's been a little bit of a crazy week. Our uh, other co-host, Johnny, got sick this week. So sick. Selfishly. Selfishly went down. Now, I got sick, too, but mine was a little earlier than his. Went and got a shot or two. But he told me, by the way, and you can help me with this, he had to get a steroid shot. And he says that and we, we get them all the time, that this time... The man, I mean, we don't get them all the time. It's guys, not like I we're... I steroid <laughs> shots like they're going out of style, like one a week, you know, every week, whether I need it or not. No, he said that they forced him to... They said, listen, you're, this is going to hurt more than usual. We're going to put it all the way into your hip, which normally you just stand and lean on one side. So they made him lay down, stretch out his leg, and like he said, it was the most painful shot he'd ever had. And it's just like a steroid. He's like, why is this different than usual? And they're like, well, this is what we're, I don't know. Does that sound from a medical perspective? That just sounds weird. Johnny, were you in an alley at the time? Like, was this like a. My guess is that they were trying to do it like a deeper intermuscular shot, but maybe it was because his dose was larger. I, I don't, that just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Normally you just want to get it into the muscle. Yeah. I don't know. Johnny, I think that maybe you like found somebody that was not reputable in the medical profession. So I hope did you okay. pay him in like Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> Find him on the dark web. Johnny. Oh my gosh. Well, we our, our thoughts and prayers though. Go out to Johnny. I hope that, um, I hope that he's, I hope that he's doing better. So I wish you wish everyone listening right now could understand where we're sitting and how this is looking. It may be a little, a little more echoey than usual. Hopefully I'll have that out in the post edit, but we're sitting in uh, dining room chairs uh, with microphones on them in our spare bedroom with one of our dogs, Brutus on the bed next to us, um, kind of laying across some of the equipment basically. Uh, Cause he just doesn't know where to go. We fancy. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Ace, the other dog, uh, the dog of ill repute is in his crate right now. And uh, we have coffee. Hold your coffee up to the microphone. You can hear the foam. Listen to that. Man, let me tell you something. You are right in the driver's house right now. And Laura hates, like, actually putting the microphone into I her do. face. I don't know. I don't want it. Like, it's like it's down my throat. But it's not. It's like a good, right now, five inches away from your mouth. I need it to be, like, two inches away, probably. Yeah, well, you basically eat the microphone. Well, yeah, but I use a microphone every day. That's what you do. You <sighs> I keep trying to, we talk to our daughter about this. Like you can't, you, you don't get to decide the rules of microphones, honey. Like you don't get to just be like, Hey, I, I'm not going to do it this way. Like you have Listen, to adjust to the way. I have yet to have a full cup of coffee. It is exactly eight Oh five. I have been up since really early this morning, running around like a chicken with my head cut off. So I would suggest you stop getting on to me about the microphone. That's true. I do appreciate you uh, co-hosting <laughs> this with me. We are doing a morning edition I'm not sure when this will post, but this is this is a morning that we are recording this right now. A legit morning. Yeah, legitimately. I just got back from dropping Sadie off. Uh, we're waiting on an HVAC guy because we had a unit go out upstairs again. Um, oh. Yeah. So my mom had to leave because it was literally 93 upstairs. Um, it's so hot right now. Yeah. And we had all this happen before and it leaked into the drywall of the garage, had to have a bunch of repairs, took several months. It was an insurance claim. I just had it all painted, all put back together. 
and now we have big water spots again. <laughs> yeah, you called me. I was on the road uh, on a book meeting Friday, and you called. You're like, you're not going to guess it. Like it was a that's that's bad. It was bad news. It was. It was bad news. I didn't spiral though. Too bad. I kind of began to spiral. <laughs> we spiral. I would love to know the listeners. No, no, there is no we. Oh, come on. You catastrophize too. No. Yeah, you go Not down the Not near as bad as you do. If you got a big meeting or your recipe, I don't, listeners, I don't know you ever talked about our recipes before, but Laura has this brilliant uh, concept that she discovered about me and my mental health. <laughs> uh, or the lack thereof. Right, right. Mental health in air quotes is... Uh, that basically my life is like I have these recipes, like one ingredient, I might be okay. So we all have one ingredient a day that's negative. You know, one like, um, you know, you you didn't sleep well or, you know, your bank account's a little low. You have a flat tire and like yeah. just one little catalyst. Right. But I have like like repeated things that happen in life that she determined over the course of almost 20 years, 19 years this month, by the way. Woo-hoo. Yeah. This is September 30th is our 19th anniversary. And she began to pick out that, that if four or five things happen in tandem together, if they come together, then they become greater than the sum of their parts, like, or worse, if you will, it creates something that tastes But bad. it's not brownies. No, it's not brownies. <laughs> it's a bad, a bad <laughs> recipe. And there's certain people involved in that recipe. There's certain situations involved in that recipe. There's like a, I could tell you at least one of them is if I have an email out uh, that I'm waiting on an answer from. Like I hate unresolved communication as much as I hate unresolved conflict. 24 hour rule. Right. And I'm saying when it's been now 72 for no reason, and it happens all the time. That's just the life, you know, that, that we live. And it's one of those things that you don't want to be that guy following up. And so anyway, we've learned recipe, but um yeah. So in our house, you know, spiraling is a thing like, oh, you're spiraling because all this multiple things are happening at once. So but I think we're doing OK. I have not spiraled in HVAC. We've got a guy coming this morning. We're waiting on him now. Uh, he's he's uh, hopefully going to help us see uh, what the real problems are. And listener, we want to help you find out what the real <laughs> problems are. Actually, we don't um, so, hey, let's talk about uh, let's talk about our week. It's been crazy. It's ridiculously hot here in the Mm. Mid-South. We've had heat indexes of like 105, 108. Um, I'm having to throw chlorine in the pool in like mass quantities because it's burning off. So we've had um, bad chemical (laughs) tests this week on the pool. Let's see. You love the pool chemistry. I do. It's it's chemistry. So it's so fun. So Laura goes into the pool company... um, yeah, this week. And so she has figured out, because there's all these apps and stuff. No, yeah, I haven't figured out. But there is a great um, website, and I'll try to get this right. Yeah, it's called TroubleFreePool.com, and they have a corresponding app. And it basically allows you to get your water test, whether you test it yourself or get it done by somebody, and then use sort of like basic household items to adjust the chemistry in your pool versus going to the pool place and buying the really expensive chemicals because things like um, baking soda, you know, other things get relabeled in the pool shop with some, you know, fancy name like alkalinity up and then they charge you so much money for it. So our chemistry was really off this week. Our pH and our alkalinity was off. And so he gave me the results and he was like, well, you need, you know, 
15 pounds of this. And I was like, no, that's okay. I'll just grab some borax. And he was like, no, 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 that won't work. You have to have this. And I was like, no, it'll work. You don't, you don't go tell Laura driver. No, that won't work. Especially when it comes (laughs) to chemistry or science. So anyway, I just ran over to Walmart, grabbed borax, which is like, I don't know, $3 and 78 cents. Sounds like a Dr. Seuss character. Yeah. Borax. But it's like, $3.78 for a four pound box. I needed like 12 pounds of it. So, you know, I I did for $12 what he wanted to charge me almost 75 for. And then the next day I went and had my water retested and my pH and alkalinity were fine. And you want to say what he said? He was like, oh, I guess you do know what you're talking about. (laughs) You're like, dang straight, I do. Well, I mean, it's not like I figured this out. I'm using an app and a website. But for all you pool owners out there, it's a great uh, website to decrease your chemical cost. I'm going to tell you something. Owning a pool and like, if you pay somebody to just do the chemicals, no, we had to do is that. ridiculous. When we first moved into this house, uh, my dad passed away as we were moving. And so like everything was crazy up in the air. And then our dog root just got attacked on the same day. Uh, and so we're like running to the vet, running to the funeral home, running around trying to, and we literally were throwing things into trash bags and just right. throw them in the back of the car, trying to get the move done. So for like the first six months, we paid somebody to do the maintenance on the pool, the chemical testing and all that stuff. Because we knew if it stuff. got behind, it was going to damage equipment yeah, and it was going to cost us do. more. Yeah. And man, those monthly bills were like, woo. And they were really nice and did a great job. But uh, once I was so glad when you figured out this uh, app-based, web-based way, because I probably never would have done that. I probably would have not <laughs> done that. <laughs> so, and not that I'm not capable, I just wouldn't have. So, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that. What's wrong with me? That's, uh, well, we each have our things that we kind of manage in the house. Yeah. You definitely do all the yard work and all the mulching and that kind of stuff and the yeah. weeding and. I handle the pool, and we kind of split house duties, and yeah. Speaking of duty. <laughs> I don't think we want to. Can we talk about this creature you've brought into our home? He's at, at driving the most me time. crazy. But everyone's going to see his picture, and they're going to be like, that's what everyone says to me. It's, I'll be at the office complaining, and they'll be like, but Ace is so cute. He's well, like, he is really cute. Listen, cuteness doesn't get you everywhere. I mean, cuteness gets you most places in life, okay? <laughs> that may be true, but this dog, we haven't slept in, I don't know how many. Yeah. We haven't slept in the night. It's like having a baby. Well, I we're, don't sleep through the night anyway. We're getting so. less intrinsic value, though. It's not like I get to pass along my inheritance or anything to this dog. He's just not doing real well with crate training. He's a slow learner. Hopefully, because volleyball season is ending this week, we'll have a little more consistency in the evenings, and he'll catch up quickly. But, I mean, the dog, okay, I counted. We came home last night, Was it or was it yesterday? Or maybe it was Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. And we came home, and we took him, because you... Like this whole idea of crate, you have to help me here. Like intervene with me, help me understand here. Like apparently we're crate training him, but still I need to make sure I take him outside every three minutes. No, not I'm three. You, it will. He peed six times in forty minutes the other night. I come home. I, 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 we came home. I took him out. We come back inside. Well, you know that first one might not have emptied his bladder because you know how he is. He's too excited. So then I take him back out. He does it again. And any time that he plays, 
anytime they get, he's a puppy, so he runs in circles already. But guess what happens when dogs circle? Anytime he sniffs, he's a dog. He's sniffing the whole. So literally, I have to just sit here. We had a game on. We have to just sit here and just watch him. Ace, ace, no, ace, no. And I have to get up and go take him. And sure enough, he'll go pee every time. Like, well, the good news is, is we're crate training you. That's what I'm saying. This is not helping the dog. Something's wrong with this. Is not a way to live. How are people doing? I mean, we I don't have know. a dog. Please send all your crate training tips to talk about that pod. At- <laughs> Just email me directly, John at JohnDriver.com. <laughs> I, I need direct intervention here. Um, send us videos, recommendations. If anyone would like Ace for six weeks oh. and send him back to us crate trained, like we can negotiate oh, terms. Maybe, maybe deal with his attitude a little bit too. Well, I think it's your attitude. Mm. Well, someone can take me for six weeks, too, if they want, I suppose. <laughs> Please, yes, and hallelujah. <laughs> Let me tell you, he eats regularly in mass quantities. So, John, coming to your house for six weeks is not a cheap endeavor. <laughs> I don't know if we are talking about that. the dog still. I mean, well, so. the dog does do that, too. He's a little porker. He'd eat it all day long. Yeah, and he does. We, me and him get along okay. We're doing okay. Like, I know I'd kind of, you know, rant against him. But uh, this is, I don't know. Like, I'm looking at Brutus right now. What's he doing? He's just he's laying 14. there. Yeah, but he's been like this the whole time. No. He may have been a little rem- more. You don't remember. He was a little more energetic, you know. But yeah. there wasn't quite the. Um, we don't remember. We didn't have a child then. Okay, I'll mind, I will mind you to not tell me what I remember or don't remember. Driving. John, you don't remember anything ever. <laughs> That's the great thing about it. I can say that 99% of the time it's true. I have a complete accurate memory of this dog. No. Me and this dog, uh, are as, we're close. Well, yeah, I mean, after you almost killed him six different times. Okay, I did not almost kill him. <laughs> he did get into rat poison one time when he was a, probably Ace's size. Right at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, you were out of town. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to not be married after this. Like, I've killed the dogs. I rushed him to the vet. We pumped his stomach, and he was fine. No worse for the wear. Just, he was about the size of a big rat. So. Yeah. Well, he got underneath. Yeah, we were at the church where we were doing construction, and he got underneath an ice machine where they'd put him back there, some stuff. No other animals but rats could get there. So. And then one time a bus almost ran him over, but the bus stopped. It was fine. He ran away from me. Uh, also while I was out of town. It's always when you're out of town. We B- should talk about that. Business trips for me. Oh, bad things happen when I'm gone. We've had, yeah, we have some stories on... Let's see. Rat poison, almost getting ran over by the bus. Sadie decided to change her name once when I was in Montreal. Mm. And to prove that she had changed her name, because all good Southern girls have monogram sheets... She took a permanent marker and, quote, unquote, monogrammed her sheets with her new name. She was three. Well, she was old enough to write, so it was more like four or five Mm, for that. Yeah, she knew her letters. At At three is when she did the permanent marker. Well, yes, on the couch, but while I was out of town, she also took them to her face. Oh, yeah. And I had to get that off without you. Yes. And off the couch. Upstairs. Yep. I think I rented a steamer for that. You know, you'd think that we'd be smart enough to put the permanent markers where she couldn't get them. Well, we were. I think she <laughs> got to them anyway. She's just smarter. Like she found a way, you know. So you're saying these things never happen when you're in town? No, mm-hmm. they don't. Oh, wait. 
while I was out of town is also when she slid down the thing at the church and we had to go get her tailbone x-rayed, right? Yeah, I was out of town. I was okay, coming well, in that, from Atlanta. Okay, that was VBS. Okay, th- that story was... But I was out of town, right? Yeah, I was. Of course you were. And we were leaving. Yes, to go to my parents as soon as I got home. So what had happened was we'd finished VBS and I had all the youth kids. We always clean the church after VBS. And we just mopped the hallway. And I said, now, Sadie, she was with her friend. I said, Sadie, do not run. Just stay off the mop floor. And it's like one of those, it's like a movie. Like you're you're about to watch a car crash, but you you can't stop it. You're like begging, no, don't, don't drive down that road. And she's running. I was like, Sadie, and then all of a sudden she just legs straight up in the air and went down flat on her tailbone. And of course, you know. It, I mean, she was in pain, and I was like, oh, here we go. Well, because it's a hard tile floor. I mean, it's not like it's got no. any cushion at but all. But you know what's funny is, and, and that is not funny, this is probably tragic. The, the thing about me, though, and, and how my brain works, is that when those things happen, my compassion is is gone. Like, immediately. I have to, I have to go search for it. My first inclination is not, my kid's in pain, let's comfort her. My first inclination is, I told you not to do that. <laughs> And then my second, my second real reaction is that you have now messed up the plan that you know, I had this all. I mean, I, I, number one, if I was out without you all week, there's no doubt I was already doing double duty with the kid. You know, I've been and no doubt I had the house clean for you because I always try to have the house clean whenever you come home to make sure the dishes and everything's ready. So I've kept the child alive. We've ran a VBS and I'm going to have the house ready for you. And we're supposed to head out of town for the night to go see your parents. So like, I got this all lined up. Like I've done the work, I've done the job. And then you managed some, all I need you to do is to not uh, put on these clean clothes that I'm going to wash for you and eat this food. I'm going to put right in front of you and run around. I didn't ask you to help clean or do anything, run around and play in this enchanted land that you have as a child. One thing I asked, don't run down that slick hallway and you went and did it. And now I got to go to the doctor without the medical parent, you know, which means I'm going to sound like an idiot or be like, I don't know, <laughs> like, is, you know, are, am I going to the right? Do we have coverage, you know, for this particular, you know, place that I'm going? Cause I'm trying to get it done on a Friday before we head out of town. It must've been 4th of July weekend or something where I had a trip leading into a lake what? weekend. I think it was, which makes it again, even worse. It's on a holiday. I don't know. I, but, then, but then you feel awful. This is when now the layers of guilt and condemnation begin to just, you know, <laughs> fold over on themselves. You're like, wow, what sort of monster is not just, you know, compassionate towards his ailing child who's now crying? I mean, I do that to comfort her. But did you, am I the only one out there that's like, you screwed up the master plan? Like, well, here I, I am. I don't like having my plan screwed up. That is no, true. you do not. I usually go, though, first to... Compassion kicks in secondary to me making sure that everything is still functional with the person. Yes. I did go make sure she's... I mean, I knew she hadn't broken her neck or anything. I watched it happen. Right. So, yes. And I was very worried about her tail. But, of course, then I'm thinking of all the trouble. if A cracked tailbone hurts. Right. And for a child who's active... Well, and who was... The plan was to go tubing and jet skiing and on the boat and all the things that she could not do if her tailbone was cracked. So, it really does come down to though you right. start thinking about oh my gosh I'm gonna have six to eight weeks of all the plans we've made for the summer that are left all th- I'm thinking about the medical bill I'm thinking about her 
not enjoy can we even ride in the car i remember thinking that like oh my gosh i need her to ride in the seat can you just sit there and ride <laughs> nope can't now you know you broke you know yeah i'm a horrible person but well um, as long as we've cleared the air on that yeah yeah this is this is where the healing begins thank you listener for allowing us <laughs> to talk all of this out for I'm john trying to think if there's been anything else that's been really funny or big while I've been out of town. Well, the thing is, school pictures have always... Almost like, always like, happened while I'm gone. Like You may take three trips in... It's not like I travel... No. I used to, before Sadie was born, a lot. Um, and all work. It's not like I'm talking about going on vacation. Um, <laughs> she but, just goes out all the time. Yeah, guys. I'm just gone just all the time. Sadie for weeks leaves on Sadie and John. Yeah. Um, but no, it's... Maybe once every 90 days yeah, is I mean, kind of that, what I do on average. Yeah. And it's uncanny. It's always It, it literally pictures. happened every year from like first grade through. Well, even she had school pictures done when she was at Mother's Day Out and stuff. Yeah. And it would never fail. So thank you, Kelsey Smith-West, for always coming over and doing yeah. her hair. Yeah, because there's no way. Look, I can get her ready. And right. I can pull her hair up in a pony. Semi-ponytail. Maybe a pony. Or when she's real little, the little pony on top of her head, which I love. That. <laughs> Those are my favorites, you know. But man, no, there's no like. And I can braid a little bit. But not but pictures aren't braids anyway. Exactly. And to, and Laura's always even my ponies and stuff. I don't I, I don't know. I feel like that the hair for the females is like this painful rite of passage that you all I mean Sadie and you she has screamed and cried more when you're doing her hair. And you're just kind of like, look, this is what it's like to be a girl. Like, you know, it's just kind of, it's like this is, it's like this torture chamber in the bathroom. People are just screaming and yelling. Also, we can look beautiful, you know, and I'm just like. You just have to get, you have to get past the tender headed stage. Yeah. I just don't. And now she's not tender headed. Uh, well, do you, is that true? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can braid and do everything now. Because no for problem. me, when, when she starts screaming and I'm trying, it's like, you know what? It's probably not worth it. Like, yeah, no, we're going to be just, okay. Life's going to go on whether I get this tangle out or not. Let's just put it in this bow. <laughs> nope. Not how it works. And then later on, we'll put you in the bath, you know. But this idea that I'm going to sit here with this, you know, torture device and, and this medieval. Also known as tangle brush. spray and a hairbrush. <laughs> but it does sound like that. I wonder if the other, I wonder if the other moms listening have that experience. Oh, I'm sure. With, and some people are just super tender headed, but I was going to not have a tender-headed child if I could help it. Can you really decide whether yes. or not a child's head's going to be tender or not? If I, you, think, I, think you're con- I think you may be a you little... You condition it to not be. <laughs> you may be... It's kind of like... conditioner. It's kind of like high heels. Like, you just put them on. They hurt really bad. You just walk in them anyway and don't take them off. See, I think that there's a basic, like, reaction or instinct of humanity that says you just shouldn't do that. Like this is, you just, you just decide, I get it. I don't know. I'm trying to think of the equivalent for a dude. (laughs) There's not one. Like when things don't, when things aren't right, unless we're forced to, like if I had to go weed eat all day for my dad, I have to do that. This is systemic patriarchy at its best right here. You're the one sustaining it. I'm not doing it. Well, I'm not asking you to do that. Somewhere along the way, there was a cultural expectation that was set. Yeah. I'm here trying to break (laughs) the patriarchy and you're like, you're reinforcing it. So yeah, that's uh, it's always been the pictures when you're gone, um, and then the sickness is the worst. Like yeah. if she starts getting sick, and I do, that's when I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I go to the medicine cabinet and trying to figure out, you know, from our own little pharmacy here, exactly how. And you're like, well, is she running or is she stuffy? It's like, I, 
she's running sometimes and stuffy the other. Well, which one is it? You know, is she going to be an antihistamine <laughs> or a decongestant? Well, you have to half it here. Hold on. Let me go. And you'll literally go look up the dosage charts, you know. When she was little, for sure. I need you to go weigh her. I want to see her. It's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, so I'm, you know, I, yeah, yeah. So it's glorious, though. Now she's 11 and can has been able to swallow pills for what, like, two, three years oh, now. Longer than that. And it's glorious because she's been so tall for so long that if she were still taking liquid Tylenol and stuff, it's like, here, take six bottles, you know. Yeah. But uh, she's been great with that. So I strongly recommend parents get their kids to swallow pills early. If we could just get her to take a shot now. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. Like we have anxiety about future shots. Well, and we are due for immunizations oh, this gosh. year. Yeah. I'm not ready for this. Yeah, neither is she. I wish we could give her a shot. I'm going to go out of town. We need to. I'm going to go out of town when her immunizations are due. If we can get her to swallow a pill before the shot, that's not a bad idea. We know she can do that. Wow. Are you literally talking about sedating our child so she can get immunized? Strong word. (laughs) Sedation's relaxing our child. How about that? Please, no one called DCS. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um. So, um, so what's going on in the world right now? I know you're constantly, you know, the thing I love about having you on the podcast is, and I'm, I'm, I'm with it somewhat. I sort of have a little bit of a, um, so I have a love hate relationship, mostly hate with social media, which I got you into social media. That's the crazy thing. <laughs> like I got you an iPhone. I got you into social media and, and I regret it every day since, you know, because so sorry. it's like a, it's a vortex, you know? So I want to be up to date with what's going on in the world to a certain healthy extent, but also want to actually have a life of my own that I live within the parameters of my life. So you seem to have a brain that can more uh, encapsulate the bigger picture along with the uh, smaller picture. So what, what's going on right now that's really kind of hitting you in a, in a intellectual or motivational or philosophical place? Well, you know, it's, we're in the, tail end of palindrome week, which is not really a week. It's actually 10 days um, where, you know, the number sequence is forwards and backwards the same. It only happens a couple times. Like it'll happen again in 2021. Okay. I don't understand. So like if you read the numbers, so like nine, it ends on nine, 19, I think nine, 19, 19, you can read it forward and backwards. 91, 91, 91. The same way. Yeah, that's what a palindrome is. Is it forwards and backwards? You know, it's. Yeah, but the 91 is different than 19. No, you can. You just have to do it without the slashes, and you can literally read it backwards and forwards oh. the same way. Okay. So it's the same both directions. It's like, I'm trying to think of a word that's a palindrome. Banana plan, a canal, Panama. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. It's the big one. Yeah. So. It's palindrome week, so a lot of people have been really excited about that. I don't know that's, why. And it's not really a week. It's 10 days. That's the most insignificant thing. <laughs> I know. Like sorry. I pitched you like the war. I know. And, you're like, and it's a full moon, and it was Friday the 13th on Friday, so there was a lot of talk about those sequence of events for whatever reason. I don't know. And you know, you're reinforcing all the reasons that we I should know. do away with social I'm trying, media. I'm trying to, I don't know. <laughs> Um, you know, the big news, I think probably that hit, you know, in the, in the faith world, kind of the faith culture world, um, was the 
passing of Jared Wilson um, last week by suicide. And, um, you know, that happened on uh, World Suicide Prevention Day, of which Jared was a huge mental health advocate and a real um, friend of, you know, the mental health community and really did a lot of fantastic work, um, especially in the church and, and really dealing with how we um, address mental health. And there's still so much work, I think, to be done in that arena. So certainly um, there's been a lot of discussions around that. And I mean, we're not, uh, we've not been immune to the effects of suicide in our community either. And it still continues to be an issue. Mental health is still continuing to be an issue um, in the church. And I think how we continue to address it, I do think that the tide is turning in the way that we talk about it, the way that we address it, certainly, um, hopefully maybe removing some of the stigma around all of our brokenness and it not being just um, thrown around words. Like, I mean, even if you think about how historically we've called like mental health institutions, the loony bin, or we've referred to people as crazy, you know, all of those things have sort of done layers and layers and layers of damage. And I think we are turning the tide to kind of uncover some of those things and starting to really address mental health in our faith the same way we would address any other kind of health issue. And so I I do think we have a lot of work to do there, but I do think that we are beginning to see a shift and I'm, I'm hopeful in that. I mean, we've got some wonderful, um, people just in our circle that are mental health professionals and um, seeing the intersection of those things in our faith communities, I think will only continue to, to change things, but I'm just not sure it's changing quickly enough. Yeah. Wow. You you said quite a bit there because I mean, (laughs) there is like this feeling and we kind of encounter this when we talk a lot about uh, a, a broken, becoming broken, into the context of the gospel is kind of like our, our main paradigm right now that we're trying to, we feel like we should have been there the whole time. Right. Um, and there are some, especially I think of the older generation, you know, that, that look at us and, or or hear what we're saying. And, um, and I think younger generation too, you can't stereotype because this is where I was as well. And, and they go, Hey, can't I can't, is there ever a moment in life that we say we're okay? Like, what is that? Like, okay, or another word we use is normal. Right. Average, average. fine. Yeah. Like, can't can't everybody just be fine? Do we all have to? Because it it's, begins to feel, it begins to unsettle uh, this general feeling that everybody around me is okay. Like, I'm driving down the interstate, and they're driving down the interstate, and our lives are pretty much all headed somewhere and we all have a goal today. We have a job today. We're going to accomplish something today. And the world, we kind of have like this feeling that the world is is going, and it's and it's okay. And then we have these anomalies slash um, exceptions when somebody is physically ill, mentally ill, quote unquote crazy, quote unquote not normal. Something's not normal. And I really believe that we sum people up into two categories, like normal or crazy. Like we do that all the time. You meet someone, 
even those of us who study you know, multiple lenses of, of looking at the world, I still have this default tendency to meet somebody. And when I call you later, cause it was a, you know, whatever to go. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to work out cause there, and I've already, I put them either into the, it's going to work out category or it's not, not right. you know? And, and so immediately I think that's what we've done with, with mental health a little bit too. Like, Hey, are you okay? Or are you not okay? Instead of like seeing really the infinite subtle levels of hey, you know there is a general brokenness to humanity, and I think what we're really saying is, is your version of what's not okay, does it hit this chart or does it hit this um, this public viewpoint where right. everybody can not see? Not realizing it. there's this very very wide spectrum right. between health and unhealth, and that all of us are somewhere on that spectrum. Right. Um, And again, I think specifically with mental health issues and the church and faith, we have long dealt with mental health in a sense of it equating to our levels of faith, our levels of belief, our levels of trusting God and all of those things. So I think we have specifically around those some additional work to do um, in that area. I heard... um, Oh, and I'm going to Mike Foster this week on um, a podcast talk about one of the questions that he was asked, and he was a friend of Jared's, um, is, you know, kind of some things that we can ask of our friends and people in our lives in a way, like what's our level of accountability? Like if we know somebody's not doing well, but now they seem to be better. Like we don't want to go kind of pick at that scab again, right? Like we don't want to kind of bring it up because it's uncomfortable. And I thought he, he gave three examples of questions to ask that are a gauge and a mechanism to check in, Mm -hmm. but without like just saying, Hey, you know, are you, do you have suicidal ideation today? You know, that's probably not the best way to handle it. Um, when a person is definitely swinging back towards a place of health, but he says, how's your heart today? Yeah. How's your mind today? And how are you sleeping? And in those three questions, you can kind of gauge. That's really good. It's, you know, a, a kind of an open door. And I thought, what a great way for us to check in and not honestly just check in when somebody's in crisis. I thought of that in the context of kind of the questions that we ask in our community groups, like yeah. how, how did you feed your soul and stuff? But how's your heart? How's your mind? And how are you sleeping? Yeah. And there's just so much in those questions. So I don't know, maybe that's a good good thing for, um, you know, people to take away from that conversation and maybe get that conversation out there more is just to ask those questions of, um, the people in your life. And then one of the other things I've been following pretty, um, exclusively for several weeks now is, um, there is a couple that I have followed for a long time and, um, they live, I believe in Illinois, um, or maybe Wisconsin, I can't remember, but their names are Dugan and Lindsay Sherbondi. And she actually is the creative mind behind the company called Lindsay's Letters. And she has done cover art for several books that I love. And um, you actually 
bought me a huge canvas Mm -hmm. that she had lettered a few years ago for Mother's Day, and it's been hanging in our house for years. Um, It has a quote by Shauna Nequest on it, which is one of my favorite authors. And their little girl, Ava, was in a just very unusual accident. She was just riding on a golf cart on a normal road, an adult driving, no rough housing, nothing crazy. She just leaned down and fell out of the golf cart and hit her head and immediately started seizing and immediately, um, you know, kind of went into a coma. That little girl has been fighting for her life for weeks. And I have followed um, both Dugan, her dad, who is a pastor and Lindsay. And, you know, there is no roadmap. There's no guidebook for how we deal with tragedy and how we deal with um, really hard circumstances, circumstances that don't have good answers, circumstances that really test and try our faith because you think, why God? You know, why this little tiny insignificant accident that if it had happened a hundred other times would likely have not had this outcome. The doctors have no clue why such an insignificant, I mean, like less than, you know, 24 inch fall. Yeah. It'd be like a little kid falling off the back of a couch, yeah. which happens all the time. You know, I mean, so there's no roadmap, there's no guidebook, there's no right or wrong way to handle those situations. But just reading her dad and her mom's musings while they're in this journey have been so um, enlightening, have been so encouraging and have been so faith building to me. I mean, it makes you really look and examine your own faith journey and say, well, would I be handling this situation like they are? And there's good and there's bad and ebbs and flows. And again, there's no right or wrong way. But I think, um, again, just kind of following their journey and, and listening or reading what they're saying has just been so incredibly moving and, and faith building. And, you know, we lost a, a, a dear friend of our school community this past week or week and a half ago. And that's one of the things I said to her daughter, you know, the way she walked through her illness with so much grace, so much compassion for everybody around her, um, just the way, and again, there's no right or wrong way to handle those things. And I don't think God minds when we get mad and when we question and all those things, but just her graciousness and poise and I don't even know what else to call it. Just literally, she was just the personification of peace and grace during her journey was so moving to me. And I think those things can, if we allow them to, build up our faith when we allow people to kind of see behind the curtain, both the good and the bad. So those have kind of been the big things in our, our world the last few weeks. Yeah. I was thinking of a scripture. I may misquote it a little bit, but it says that uh, we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope, which does not, and there's two different translations. One says hope. Um, Which does not disappoint. Yeah, that's the one that does not disappoint. And the other, mm, 
I can't remember what the other one was, but it says because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. But like that that sequence. In fact, I was reading a book about um, the perceived the, the the perceived nature of science having disproven faith. Right. And and the author was going through like because the author uh, I think was a Cambridge graduate and taught at MIT. He was talking about. Just just listed the number of professors at MIT who are believers. Yeah, like like this idea that everybody who's of faith uh, must can't be people of science, but like right. m- you know, and many of them came to faith as because of science. Right. Yeah, like it wasn't a oh I was raised in this. Most of them were not raised right. in it. They came to this conclusion, and one of the chief things that she was citing about one of them was as a medical doctor was treating patients. She just could not deny not just the hope, but that the actual um, intervention that was happening in the lives of people uh, who had a faith as they right. experienced these things. And whether, hey, whether we're talking about Tyler Trent or whether we're talking about, you know, somebody else, we, you know, in life, these people you're talking about, like, um, who are dealing with this horrible issue with their daughter, you know. And, and it sounds so almost trite and dismissive and, and cliche uh, because it, it seems like a, for me, if, if I'm looking at the devil's advocate, I'm looking at the person who is skeptical of, of what it is that we're that we're trying to learn and grow in. I would say, you know, well, you guys are just trying to make lemonade out of all these lemons. You're, right. you're trying to find this this out, this good in the middle of evil, and God allowing that evil is my problem. You know, that, right. that that's the thing that I'm that I'm struggling with. And, but to understand that, well, one, I mean, this was, we talked about this last week a little bit. This wasn't, this wasn't God's plan. It wasn't God's plan for, for any, God is redeeming this thing that we have messed up and that we've given over, but that God produces such beauty and God produces such hope, allows those things to be seen, uh, in the middle of it. And I was also thinking about Paul Miller when you were talking about, you know, when we ask, we ask somebody questions. We we're living this, like you mentioned in community. We're living this in this um, this world, and you and I are preparing for another marriage conference. Yeah. And so we're talking about looking at your marriage. And I also believe that you can look at your marriage too much instead of like living in your marriage. Like you have to have this balance. Oh sure. That if if one of you is constantly evaluating, evaluating. It's like, it's almost like you stand on the scale. Some people, I think it's good. I am kind of a way every morning kind of person, but I can't do that. If I'm in the perspective of my expectations being off, like I'm expecting this scale to move a certain direction every morning, then there's zero chance in a healthy way that that's going to happen. Like at some point I have to see it for what it is. And if it's up two pounds, Right. Just be like, okay, it's up two pounds, you know, and, and that just teaches me or tells me, it may tell me nothing. I may have done everything right yesterday. It may just be, you know, something happening in my body. I mean, there's, there's, you know, things moving that I have nothing to do with. So little plug for the happy scale app. It actually will trend your weight and it gives you moving averages and things so that when you, if you are a daily weigher kind of thing, you get to see the ebb and flow versus like kind of being caught up in the yeah. in the minutia of the numbers, it's well, these trends. <laughs> Happy scale, you and your abs. But that, that that I think I think that's so I think that that's so true of the way we have to look at one another in community and mental health. Like, hey, Paul Miller again. My reference was, hey, I got to look through the windshield 
And then occasionally I got to look at the windshield. At the windshield, yeah. So if the windshield continually gets dirty, I need to stop and look at it and fix it. But I don't need to spend all my time looking at the windshield or I can't drive. Right. I have to look at where we're going. And I think that that's that sort of balance of in the mental health side and in the community side of we need to have daily, honestly, there need to be things I look at daily. Right. And some, I need someone asking me how, and as I love those questions, I'm going to incorporate those by the way. That's great. I'm going to take total credit for it and not even. No, I think you kind of have to give Mike Foster credit. I'll just just do it. No one's going to know. It's like, it's like Mike always says, and then I'll be like, it's like I always say, like soon I'm I'm right there. But I think his platform's just tiny bit bigger. Just a skosh, <laughs> just a skosh bigger. So, but, uh, you know, all truth is God's truth, right? Which means I can claim it all as my right. truth. So, but that's, you know, I, I think it, I think it's a healthy thing to do. And that's a, that's a good takeaway today, um, for all of us. And we do, man, everyone who's struggling out there. Um, I mean, the suicide thing is such a, is such a difficult hopelessness that we face in this life. And so we just, we just, uh, mourn with those who mourn today. And, and grieve, and then we also remind that there truly, there's hope. There is hope. We're not hopeless. We yeah. have to resist that um, that conclusion that we take away from humanity because hope produ- hope does not disappoint. Right. And so that only works in an eternal perspective. It only works in a, in a life perspective that's outside of just this life that we have. And the idea that my life here, as long as it may be or as short as it may be, is literally going to be a speck of dust on the eternal timeline. Like that's those kind of perspectives, I think, get lost. But eternity is the perspective that brings the hope right. for the things in this life that we have. And so I, I just you know encourage everyone to to whatever you're facing today, big, small, uh, indifferent dogs that you're training, uh, <laughs> you know, you're trying to figure out travel, you're trying to figure out life, you're trying to figure out marriage. Um, that you don't have to figure it all out today, and that even though our lifetime may be a speck of dust, we're worth so much more. That's yeah. the whole message of hope. Is that man as small and insignificant to the timeline as I am? God has given me like this great worth and this great value in in His grace, and it, like it truly reveals something that it's not a self centered worth. It doesn't mean right. I'm the center of it, but He also didn't just discard me as one who's just going to rotate around things indefinitely with no purpose. Like I have a purpose. I'm invited into that. So we encourage you with that today. Uh, I know you've got big meetings coming up. I uh, do. That you're going to have to go jump on calls. I got big meetings coming up. And so we've, I think, successfully executed our morning podcast with some coffee. Brutus is asleep uh, pretty much the whole time, uh, which is what we wish we would have been able to do as well this morning. We hope you had your cup of coffee while you yeah. listened. Yeah, maybe you listened <laughs> this morning and shared. So, and send us uh, questions and thoughts. Johnny and I will be recording uh, another episode for next week, as usual, because he's uh, he's got his shots. I got my shots. Uh, we're all <laughs> we're now they're all, all the roided mend. up. So maybe they'll rip phone books <laughs> or something go next crazy. week. <laughs> go crazy. So, but make sure you share it and that you subscribe and get someone. Uh, these are usually our highest downloaded episodes. Is when Laura's on here because I think we bring yeah, that yeah. that female perspective. So, <laughs> so. Uh, uh, actually, it's just Laura pushing refresh, refresh, That's refresh, right. So. It's all me. It's all me. <laughs> but make sure you share. And if, uh, hopefully there's some topics today that were beneficial to you or to someone that you care about. And we'd love to talk about things uh, that you have in the future. So send them to us. And we'll look forward to talking to you next time on Talk About That. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement 
and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.